welcome to another MHR podcast. I'm Emma. And I'm Andy. Hello, Andy. How are you? All right, yeah, not too bad. I'm still uh, in, enjoying the humorous slant we put on last week as we talked about humour in the workplace. I thought that was a great episode. It was nice to have a bit more levity, wasn't it? Yeah, and, you know, you think you're funny, so mm. no one I'm sure else you did. enjoyed it. The comments made that clear. Well, after that, you're not with you, Andy, but yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. whatever, it's all. So this week, I wanted to kind of bring us back around and back down to earth, if you like. So okay. a couple of weeks ago, we had a conversation around the rising trend of quiet hiring. Yeah. So how businesses are looking for ways and opportunities to upskill and reskill their staff to kind of substitute for those skills gaps that they have yeah. and also keep that kind of expenditure down on new hires, thinking Higher recruitment costs, a, yeah. onboarding costs, that kind of thing. So developing from within. Exactly. Right. So what I wanted to do is take that conversation just that one step bit further and have a bit more of a deep dive into what kind of the, I guess the landscape of learning looks like for a business. Okay. So this is in our area of expertise. Yeah. So this week I have invited a guest. So we have Ian with us today. Say hello, Ian. Hello. Hello. Thanks for um, joining us, Ian. Thank, thank you very you. much. Nice to be here. You're going to teach us about learning. Can't wait. If you could please, that'd be great. So I wanted to just ask a few questions about what the current landscape of learning looks like. Um, I think a really pertinent point that we can have a chat about today is certainly for those where you have disparate staff. So thinking those that are remote workers, you know, non-desk-based workers, and how businesses can really improve that access to learning for all and really try and optimise those that work with them and improve retention rates as well. All right. So let's grab a coffee and uh, we can jump straight into it. Lovely. The MHR podcast other podcasts are available, but why would you? So, Ian, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Um, so, the first thing I wanted to run by you is, what does the current landscape of learning look like? Certainly with this rise in quiet hiring, are you finding that this is becoming more and more of a kind of conversation point for businesses? Yeah, absolutely. I think for, for a long time, Learning has been a big focus in the what, what you the business absolutely has to do in terms of compliance, inductions, um, you know, job pathways. But the idea of skills within the learning area has been growing, uh, even even pre-pandemic in the last few years, but particularly since pandemic and and the big shift in ways people are working, uh, great re- resignation in terms of people leaving, mm. um, and and a really big focus around how we can how we can get people from within the organisation to either do the current job. Uh, as they need to do it, or even move in, move into the next one. Um, a big focus has always been on uh, looking into compliance and, and getting people to, to do the current um, current requirements, mm-hmm. but much bigger focus now on how can we uh, get people to the right level of skill, to the current job well, um, and also then enable them to to take this learning on within their daily flow of work mm-hmm. not necessarily mm-hmm. taking people out of um their their, their daily job to a classroom sure. or to an hour-long piece of e-learning and actually how can we support them within the job itself so kind of creating that incentive so that they also want to take part as well as kind of extracting that benefit for the business as well yeah absolutely you know for a lot of people it's people see training still as a um uh, as time away from their job to get mm. to um, away from doing something they want to be able to do and uh, what it's really about is, is how can we take learning opportunities and learning experiences and put them into um, their, w- w- where they work, whether that's at a desk 
behind a laptop, whether that's on the shop floor um, or, or working elsewhere, but being able to support you within your daily workflow. So ideally then, if, if you get that right, it removes this kind of rest because well, we don't have time to do this. It's actually, well, no, we're, we're learning as we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, um, yeah, learning on the job. I mean, uh, within various reports and surveys, people vastly prefer, uh, prefer the opportunity to learn on the job. Um, and the vast amount of people learn through, you know, speaking to their peers mm. from, from each other. Um, so the more we can tap into that area, the more we can show the, the real value of, to, of learning to, to employees. To make it feel like more of an experience and an opportunity than a laborious task, effectively. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And thinking outside of just content and events and, and thinking of that idea of, of experiences and opportunities, uh, just kind of reframing how you, how you approach uh, learning in general can really help. So you brought up a good point there about kind of the difference in, in types of workforce as well. So we're not just talking about people such as ourselves that, that work at a desk job, but you also have people that work remotely. You have people that work out on shop floors. You have people that are, you know, work at consultancy level. So they could be yeah. in a different place every day. Um, and an interesting point was about how we can create access to learning and really try and encourage that learning experience that you've just said there. What problems do you think that the deskless workforce uh, kind of face in trying to access those opportunities at the moment? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point because actually when we're sort of sitting here, particularly you know, looking at products or learning initiatives behind your desk, it's very easy to fall into that uh, feeling that everybody is sort of working the same way as us. Um, but 80% of the current global workforce don't work behind a laptop, mm. and, and that's nearly 3 billion people. So, um, you know, looking at industries across retail, hospitality, manufacturing, logistics, healthcare, um, and, and really the, the, they have some very unique challenges in how they can actually approach training where a lot of organisations have um, seen these challenges and maybe not invested as much as they would do otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, and what we're seeing now is sort of 80% you know, of the uh, technolo uh, technological solutions are probably aiming at 20% of the workforce. And actually, there's a real large proportion of that workforce that are going sort of forgotten. Um, mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you've also got uh, a huge amount of, the, of that uh, workforce in increasingly unhappy with their roles, looking to move, um, and, and being able to move as well because the, the jobs market at the moment is very much in their favour and, yeah, and they have that opportunity. And so kind of the, the opportunity and the drive to move is much higher than kind of the drive for, for kind of staying where you are because you feel recognised by your business and feel like you're getting growth opportunities by the business as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people uh, are used to um, maybe it not being so much in the workers' favour mm -hmm. and sort of needing to accept the, the, the role that they've got. Um, but it's, it's, you know, for, for a lot of them, it's about training and development is a, is a massive part of what they're looking for. Um, a recent survey I was looking at showed that seven in ten um, frontline workers actually value training and development over things like holiday entitlement, which is just kind of a, a, standard, uh, a, a standard benefit now. So it's really, really important to a lot of people, but I think a lot of organisations are still trying to catch up with, with how they can uh, approach those challenges. I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, some of the industries that you were talking about there tend to be very fast moving, high turnover and perhaps, perhaps even, you know, kind of more at the lower or entry level kind of skill level required to, to work in those areas as well, actually looking for opportunities to kind of grow. Do you think that that's become an issue of kind of stereotyping and the movement of the industry that's kind of impacted 
the business priority in, in getting learning in place as well? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. I think, like you say, those sect- sectors have, have always had high turnover rates. Mm. Uh, and probably from that high turnover, um, businesses maybe haven't seen the priority to invest in, in the long-term development of, mm. of, of these workers uh, because they're changing so much. But with, with turnover rates now increasing even more so and more opportunities being available to them, uh, there becomes that real uh, a challenge. And it's not just losing somebody who's just joined and, and losing within the first three months. What, what I'm seeing, speaking to a lot of our customers um, and, and others, are showing that um, they're actually starting to lose a lot more of their experienced staff now. Yeah. Um, and, and with that, you lose a lot of the contextual business procedural knowledge that goes with that. And it's taking them a really long time to actually be able to replace those people, not just in, in case of uh, replacing the body, uh, but that level of experience. Sure. And I guess, like you say, for those for those kind of industry types where you learn on the job and you have people that have been there for such a long time, in, in often cases, that knowledge is then also in their head. Yes. And isn't put down in any kind of formal learning document or policy or anything that is then making that transferable and that succession plan that a bit easier, in especially in a kind of a fast turnover market. Yeah, absolutely. Mixing work with pleasure since 2022, the MHR podcast. So how can software support in enabling access to learning? So I think software and technology has a really uh, important part to play in all of this. Uh, I think probably important to say that it's not the only it's not the only part in play, mm-hmm. uh, and certainly training in L and D isn't the only um, uh, solution to, to to the much wider problem as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it can help. Uh, one of the problems we see at the moment um, with with technology, particularly within sort of the the frontline area, is is a lot of organisations have got platforms now. Um, they've got platforms to put, that they host content on that they can you know, book things through. But it's just the first hurdle, which is just the simplest one, is getting people into that system. Yeah, sure. Um, if you don't sure. work in a role where you need a company email address, um, or if you don't work at a, at a laptop, how do you physically get to that platform? How do you go and open that up? Mm-hmm. Um, so, real kind of th- you know, the first thought is around kind of just ease of access. How, how do you get into it? Um, which you know, there are various schools of thought on whether we, we think about um, you know if you think about in retail, most stores have got a back office PC and maybe a shared tablet. But when you've got 20 people working at the store, it's not really enough. So a lot more organisations are starting to think about um, uh, introducing new policies, like bring your own device, mm. and, and actually thinking about how you can manage that uh, so people can use their own devices to access um, key company training. And, and I think when you're in there, uh, once people are in, in, in the platform, there's a whole host of things that we can be doing from, from a technology point of view. Um, it doesn't always just have to be around um, having a piece of e-learning or, or going to an event. Uh, video is, is a massive part for mm. a lot of people now. So is there another challenge there as well? Instead of like also thinking about the fact that we're in maybe a disparate workforce and we need to carefully think about what device we need to provide access to, it's also a case of, well, actually, we need to provide access to multiple devices. Is there a kind of compatibility kind of formatting issue there where you're like, actually, you're going to have maybe four examples of an employee who are using the same learning software on four different devices. How does that work? And what's the accessibility problem with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think where people have often gone in the last few years, you know, responsive design and having things work on mobile as mm. it would do on, on a PC is, is quite common now. Uh, but where you know, a big mistake people went through uh, a few years ago was thinking that as long as we can fit the thing on a small device, it's fine. Um, but if you've ever looked at a PowerPoint presentation uh, squeezed down to a to a tiny iPhone view, uh, it's not the same experience. No. 
So actually what we need to start doing is thinking about not just responding things down to the device, but actually adapting and thinking about a mobile first approach. Yeah. Uh, Because generally, if it works at a mobile level, it will scale up and it will work on within that laptop environment. Um, but it's it's more difficult to think about scaling down. And that's, uh, and that's also thinking about adjusting to what the market is in workforce trends and the fact that we are more remote uh, as a workforce generally and looking to see how we can kind of adapt accordingly and make that accessibility. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with, with mobile devices, it's you, you have so much opportunity there, particularly if, I mean, if you look at, you mentioned about consultants sort of traveling, traveling around um, or, or even sort of in healthcare within um, kind of um, a, a care at home, people are, uh, are navigating between clients and they have five minutes in the car. Um, is there something we can quickly push out to them or they can pull down really easily mm-hmm. as a, a five-minute um, piece of... It doesn't even need to be e-learning. Could you be a quick mm-hmm. five-minute video on, on, on how, to, um, how to close a sale or how to negotiate, how to deal with a tricky customer that they might have just experienced and being able to pull that down to the phone straight away, not necessarily need to go through a, a course to do it, but it's just kind of getting the right knowledge that you need at the right time yeah. so it can affect you at the, at the point of need. Is there anything in there in terms of um, then considering how we can digest this as well? So we know, as you mean, as marketers, we always look at um, you know how do people consume our content, right? And how do they do that through different devices? Does that apply to learning as well? Yeah, I think there's um, th- there's different contexts where, where where duration and length come into it. Um, a big focus uh, for a lot of organisations now is, is supporting learners in the job. Um, so it's like I say, it's getting these short, sharp pieces of content mm-hmm. um, where it can answer a particular question. Uh, so an example I often give is if we think about uh, a common piece of training, Excel training. Um, if I need to know, if I really struggle with VLOOKUPs, um, and I, I saw, what I want to be able to do is search that into the company um, platform and find an answer to my question. How do I perform a VLOOKUP? Uh, I don't need to do a, a two-hour online e-learning talking about the history of Excel and introduction to every formula that you've got in there. Oh, God, can you imagine? Mm. It would be, it'd be quite Ooh. tough, wouldn't it? God. Um, so in terms of, on that point then, in terms of relevance to you, what opportunity does software, uh, is there in software to make sure that the learning that those workers are having feels like it's tailored for them or relevant to their role? Because there's going to be loads of different roles using maybe, maybe the same topic, but how do I, I contextualise this into the way I work? Yeah, I think having that personalization and the relevancy is really, really key. Um, often, you know, the, the benefit that we have with with, with the platform, with technology, is we're often we're, we're pulling in the job details. So we can know the role you have, the department you're in, the location that you are. Uh, and we can start creating pathways that are targeted for your role at your level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you take uh, data protection, for example, uh, different people in the business need to know a different level of sure. the, the, the regulation. And if we can target the people that are on the phones that just need to know, you need to lock your screen, don't give customer details away. Um, but if we go up to the financial controller who needs to know a lot more in depth about the policies, we can start to target essentially the same topic, but just focusing in on different, um, different levels. So kind of really tightening that level of learning that's required for each kind of individual person and making it not too overwhelming or, or underwhelming yeah. as it could be. And, and it starts to come back in, in another way as well in terms of engagement. Mm-hmm. Because if you're always going into a system that just looks like it's flooded with content that has no relevancy to you, you you're going to start losing engagement with it. But actually, if, you, if you're logging in and seeing, actually, these five things I can see in front of me are incredibly relevant to the role I do or where I work, uh, you feel like, whether it's automated or manually done, you, you feel like the, the organisation is, is really focusing on you and, and your role. Okay. 
So let's flip this conversation on its head then. So I am a, uh, a CEO of a retail company. What would be your kind of tips and advice or perhaps even your sales pitch even to investing in learning for my frontline workers, for my remote workers? What can I achieve out of it? I think the real, the real key thing is thinking about how you are approaching learning at the moment because every organization will have some level of, of, of training involved at the moment and a, a really common uh, method at the mo- uh, for, for for retail and for any organization is if you come in for the first day uh, you have an induction period and it's essentially a, a 50 page manual of a checklist of what you've got to do you and your manager work through it and and and, and you can work through the items in there you know it might be for example till training um, everybody knows how to do a till. The manager has an item to, to check off to say they've they've trained you on the till. But if you if you scale that up to a to a national retailer with thousands of managers giving thousands of slightly different versions of how you use that till, or thousands of different versions of how you uh, stock that shelf, um, you, you're introducing a whole load of inconsistency in in the approach. So where technology can really come in is your your centralized team can can standardize that. Um, you can you know, learn at your at your pace. Um, learners can even start to look at that training material even before they join um, or at the point of need. We, we see examples um, that look really exciting at the moment where you can start to use technologies like QR codes. If you've got a really complicated uh, coffee machine or a complicated till, have a QR code on the side of it, you can quickly scan, it gives you the overview or a quick tips of, of how, to, how to work it. So it's a really quick and, 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 and uh, consistent way of getting the right information en masse um, it really allows you to scale up your training, um, and the more consistent your stores are, the more consistent your employees are, um, uh, the better performance they'll be. Good stuff. I suppose also it helps in terms of um, identifying the gaps of knowledge as well, in reverse. So, yes, this is how people are using it, but also this is this is what we aren't doing, or this is what people don't know about. Can it be a two-way conversation? Can it be an, uh, an employer-led conversation back to, sorry, employee conversation led back to the employer on what do we, what we need? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where you, it's really great to then link up with um, a much more holistic HR view of, of the sure. employee journey mm-hmm. um, rather than just looking at learning alone because we can start to look at a, a talent profile, what skills do employee, employee currently have, where do, we need to, where, where do we need to plug that gap? Then also from the employee side, they have that really open, honest conversation with their manager. Uh, they understand their current skill set, and they can start pr- uh, pushing those ideas. They found courses, they found content, maybe, or they've thought of experiences that they can be taking on, um, and they can start to kind of suggest those ideas back, uh, back into the manager. But I think a re- really key thing ac- across all of these is, is making sure you're really aligned to the so the, the business outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot that we can do there in in terms of targeting that against. Um, our, are we trying to improve store performance? Are we trying to look at you know, reducing critical safety um, uh, incidents? And then we can start to target initiatives based on where we're struggling at the moment so we can really um, prove value straight away. It's interesting to see it that way around. And I think it's something that employees will value, that they can also take the opportunity to be able to create their own pathways as well. Mm. And I think taking that two-way approach, and as you said previously, you know, when a when a, a new person starts in retail and they get whacked with a 50-page manual, that can be really disconcerting. Yeah. But creating the opportunity for a person to choose their own pathway and where they want to move moving forward in agreement with the manager, again, is a great opportunity to encourage retention, to encourage progression, encourage growth within the business and ultimately create that loyalty, um, yeah, I, I which think is what we all want. 
something I see recently as well, um, particularly coming back to your early point around, um, you know, uh, sort of the, the workforce in general that might be in the, uh, that might be in retail or hospitality. Mm. Um, we see a lot of uh, companies now uh, pivoting towards not just thinking about training and support for their actual job role, and actually thinking about how they can support them in wider life skills as well. And you can start to combine um, uh, quite a lot of that. Uh, more organisations investing in financial well-being, um, employee uh, health and wellness uh, training and support that may not be necessarily directly linked to the to their job role, but it's giving that that wider uh, approach to to supporting the employee's whole development, mm-hmm. um, which again can can boost that engagement uh, as well as looking at more role specific material. More engagement, the merrier. Hey, absolutely. So I think that's what we could pretty much wrap up there, I think. Thank I you think so, so much yeah. for joining us today. Um, I think it's been really interesting to understand how kind of the landscape of learning is evolving and changing with what individual needs are, both employer and employee. It's and quite interesting at to look at how like, different industries as well look at it, right? Because yeah, it's very we, yeah. we set an office and we, we immediately assume that everyone goes through the same teams or whatever, please yeah. thing. And actually you forget that people work where they're like, well, I don't even have emails, so how do I do this? I think that's quite interesting. And it's 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 important that we are, you know, as as software developers such as ourselves, understanding how we can develop to make it accessible for more people, for all people, even, um, to really try and encourage that. And it's to the benefit of the businesses as well that they work with. So we'll just wrap it up with one final thing. If you had to give businesses one tip into how they can improve their L&D, you know, in training processes, what would your advice be? That's a good question. Uh, I would, um, I think that the real key thing is really focusing on uh, the outcome you're trying to achieve. Um, I think all too often um, training initiatives can just be, here we go, there's a whole list of everything, go and do what you need. But actually, the, the, if, we can, if we can really focus and target in on um, what are we trying to improve, what can we measure, um, and then we can start to demonstrate the value of that uh, through working backwards from that, from that outcome, from the desired outcome, uh, we start to be able to have a much more solid case mm-hmm. for demonstrating the value and the impact of learning uh, to then be able to focus on much wider initiatives as well. I like it. Bringing it all back to business strategy. Always, ask, always asking why. You're listening to the MHR podcast. Well done. So I thought, seeing as we're on the theme of learning this week, mm-hmm. we could have a kind of, we could share some key facts that we've only just learned about the world of work. Okay. So you know the term like, I was today years old when? Mm-hmm. I thought we could do that. Okay. All right. So let's play some learning music. Gorgeous. So, I was today years old when I learned that Tuesday is the most productive day of the week. Hmm. Not here, not for me. Hmm. I can believe that. Hmm. I was today years old when I learned that adults who regularly sleep between seven and nine hours a night are 20% more productive. Really? I'm justifying my half-eight bath and bed. (laughs) I was today years old when I learned that workers spend more than 25% of their day reading and answering emails. And if they check their emails at set points in the day, it will increase their productivity. Again, I can believe that. Mm. Here's one. I was today years old when I learned the average office chair with wheels travels about 12.5 kilometres a year. <laughs> not that's, for about, me. that's about eight miles, Andy. It's about eight miles, but not for me. I wheel around the office on it. I basically use it as a canoe. <laughs> I, I don't walk. I literally just canoe myself round from meeting to meeting. It's called transportation. Mm, yeah. 
You should see me try to get out the lift, it's awful. <laughs> I was today years old when I realised the average work desk is home to 400 times more bacteria than the average toilet seat. Oh. <laughs> and on that note, have a oh. lovely week. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Clear your desk before you go home. <laughs> We're done.